You are listening to the San Antonio Zen Center Dharma Talks. The San Antonio Zen Center is supported solely by donation, so that everyone can participate in our offerings and programs, regardless of income. If you are able, please consider making a donation to SAZC through the donation button on our site, sanantoniozen.org, or by visiting paypal.me slash sanantoniozen. Thank you for your practice and enjoy the talk. There is a story um, that uh, back in the old days, during the Buddhist time, a monk I came into a village and he was carrying a bag or a bundle. He was carrying something. And the townspeople saw this monk and said, uh, who do you follow? And the The monk said, I'm a follower of the Buddha. And the townspeople said, well, what does, what does the Buddha teach? And the monk put down the bag. And they said, um, Is there anything else that he teaches? And the monk picked up the bag and kept walking. So whenever we think of, of renunciation, in the classical sense, we think of we think of a monk. We think of a, a monk with a shaved head, with maybe just a few possessions. Um, maybe a begging bowl and robe. can have this connotation of turning away. Uh, almost like of shunning. But I think it's a little more nuanced than that. Renunciation. In fact, we are really all renunciants. Whenever we come and we sit on the cushion, the practice 
the, the lay practice and the monastic practice, when everyone sits on the cushion, the practice is the same. Whenever we sit zazen together, like we do on Zoom, or like we will begin doing on Monday evening in person, the practice is the exact same practice that's done at Tassahara. We sit, we face the wall, pay attention to the breath, we pay attention to our experience. And the main difference that I can tell between practicing in the Zendo at San Antonio Zen Center and practicing in the Zendo at Tassajara is at Tassajara you hear the creek, you hear the ground squirrels, and you hear the blue jays. At San Antonio Zen Center, we hear ambulances, we hear traffic. Our blue jays and our ground squirrel sound a little different in San Antonio Zen Center than they do at Tassajara. Take on different forms. The practice is the same. In my years of practice, I've never, well, I would also say the only difference, another difference, which is a, um, is a difference, is a dis distinction in costume. Uh, you wear robes at Tassajara and I'm the only one that wears robes here. Everyone else is in their civvies. Uh, but that's, that falls in line with uh, with the ambulances and the traffic and people walking by. So the practice that's done at Tassajara sitting in the zendo, wearing robes. Hearing the creek, the ground squirrels and the blue jays is an expression of the practice of Tassajara, of the zazen practice of Tassajara. The zazen at San Antonio Zen Center with ambulances, traffic, the people walking by and talking, people wearing civvies is an expression of practice at San Antonio Zen Center. There's not one practice that is preferable to or better than or less than the other. The practice is complete in both settings. Sometimes people think 
they need to go to Tassajara to, to experience the true practice. The classic 90-day practice period. And even at Tassajara, sometimes you hear some of the students talk about how the real practice is in Japan. I suspect if you go back far enough, there was a ancient Japanese practitioners who said the real practice was in China. If you go back even further, there are probably some ancient Chinese who said the real practice is in India. We give all of that up. We give all of that up whenever, whenever we come and sit. We give up notions of what practice should look like. We give up. So many things without even knowing it in some ways. We're not always conscious of what we're giving up. And you'll notice I'm, I'm saying giving up instead of renunciation. The word I prefer is really uh, relinquishing. This is why Uchiyama talks about opening the hand of thought. The hand in its natural state is curved. It wants to do, it wants to grab. It wants to grab. Uh, and in fact, many, many years ago, I was taught that um, if you're ever working with wiring, like electrical wiring, and you're not sure if it's live or not, you touch it with the back of your hand. You touch the wire with the back of your hand because it will knock your hand away if it is live. If you touch it like this, it's gonna cause the muscles to contract and you get electrocuted. The hand just grabs. That's, it's, it's, that's what it has evolved to do. So always opening the hand of thought as Uchiyama Roshi says, letting go of our ideas as practice, you know. And here's one of our blue jays. <clears throat> Whenever, I, that, that's really one of the nice things about sitting down the, um, being down the street from a fire station as I get these repeated reminders of why we practice. Uh, try to make a habit whenever the fire truck goes by. To try to stop and to try to remember to stop and say, oh, I hope they're okay. Whoever it is that they're going to, I hope they are, they are okay or that they will be okay. 
So this, this relinquishing, this renunciation, this non-attachment is something that because our hand, the hand of thought continually grasps, we have to continually let go and it takes work. And um, as, as uh, Harvey Aronson says in um, Buddhist practice on Western ground, he says, you know, and, unless you're a spiritual prodigy, we have to work really hard at this, you know, which means the vast majority of us. Um, And so the the so when we talk about attachment and renunciation together, because this is really there is no renunciation without attachment. without something to attach to. And really what we're talking about when we're talking about attachment um, and, and some of the other words for it uh, are uh, craving, thirst, And really what this describes, and, and Aronson says this so nicely, is an, an unwholesome attachment to things. There's such, that's such a nice summary, an unwholesome attachment, an attachment that causes suffering for self and others. It's really about the, 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 the mind that we bring to it. So if, 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 there, is, if there is a, a desire for uh, something unwholesome that's going to create suffering for self and others, If there is a desire for something wholesome, then that can help relieve suffering. So for example, uh, if we're feeling this, uh, like for me, I, I feel like this physical imperative to sit. Like it's, uh, as though the cushion is calling and I am responding to my, my body is responding to it. So that can be a wholesome desire because we're practicing for the benefit of all beings. 
Once I'm on the cushion, that desire has been sated. I'm sitting, I'm present. So this is good medicine. This is good medicine. Wholesome medicine. Uh, where it can get kind of uh, troubling. And this is something that would happen at, I would see it at, at, at Tassajara sometimes. There are uh, work days with Tassajara. So you get to sleep in, which means you get to, you get to wake up at uh, 4.50 instead of 3.50 in the morning. And after a couple of periods of sazen, you sit and after breakfast, you, you work through the day. In the morning, it's in, it's in silence. And I knew people over the years that would um, be deeply resentful of the work periods of the work days, because they wanted to be in the Zendo. This is a case where the medicine may not be so good. There are things that need to be done, things that need to be taken care of. We don't get to renounce work days at Tassajara because that's part of the schedule. We follow the schedule no matter what the schedule is. And the same would be if we were resentful of Zazen because it was taking us away from work. with these attachments where we often get into trouble according to Aronson is when we see the objects as attachment and not our attachments to the objects not our relation it's our relationship to the object that is causing the suffering that is causing the attachment it's not the object itself and he says, this is why we, and this is what we need to uh, transform. So this non-attachment is uh, really not becoming fixated. Not becoming fixated. having spacious mind, open mind. And yet there are some people for whom um, the monastic life is the life that they need to live. 
after both after World War I and World War II, there was an influx of veterans into monasteries. People who had seen the worst that humanity had to offer and who had been a participant in this and needed, needed a space. a safe, quiet space to transform their lives, a new way of living. It's very telling that the, the, uh, the Civil War description of PTSD was called soldier's heart. being so impacted by devastation and trauma that you're never the same. It's this choice, this choice these, these men made of saying, I need, I need to do something differently. I need to do something differently after my experiences. I went to the monastery. And one of the things that, uh, for those of us who have not been in combat, for those of us who are regular civilians, um, I call myself a civilian, even though I served some time in the military. One of the things that our practice asks of us in terms of renunciation is not getting attached to our suffering. Because if we can really, really uh, grab onto my suffering, my struggles, my depression, my addiction. It's interesting that we'll, we will say, I am depressed, rather than saying, I am experiencing depression, for example. In one sense, we're grabbing onto it. In the other sense, we're acknowledging it as a temporal state. So like the, like the monk in the story, demonstrating that um, he's not attached to the bag that he sets on the ground. He's also um, not attached to unattachment, to being unattached to it. 
we have to be careful that we don't attach to renunciation, to relinquishing things, because that becomes in itself another, another um, attachment. There was someone, um, I heard a story about a guy who um, was, was at a retreat center in California. He was a long-term resident and he'd taken a vow of silence. So he didn't speak, he, he didn't speak. But instead he carried like a small chalkboard. There's not a whole lot of difference between speaking and carrying a chalkboard and chalk around so you can communicate with folks. There's not a, there's not a real big distinction there. You know, there are stories that the, the monks at Gethsemane had developed a, uh, this is before Vatican II, when there was the silence. Uh, developed a sign language for like, you know, please pass the salt, you know, for example, at, at the table. And um, the sign language became so complex over a period of time that there was no real difference between speaking and, and having philosophical discussions in sign language. That's what's so nice about the middle way. That we, we give up our suffering. You know, uh, one Tibetan teacher says that uh, renunciation is giving up the things that cause, cause us suffering. And can we, um, can we let go of our renunciation? Can, can we respond? skillfully. It's just like the story of the two monks who were crossing the stream. And there was, uh, there was a, a woman, um, I want to say she was um, dressed up really nicely. And she couldn't cross the stream without getting her feet wet. So the older monk picked up this woman, carried her across the stream and set her down so she could keep going. And the younger, the younger monk, this did not cotton well with the younger monk. And as they were walking along, he couldn't take it anymore. And he said to the old, older monk, you know, you know, we're not allowed to touch one. Why did you, um, why did you uh, pick her up? And the older monk said, are you still carrying this woman? I set her down on the other side of the stream. Not getting, a, not getting attached to the, to the rules, seeing a need, being able to respond as the older monk did, being able to respond in an appropriate way 
to someone who, who uh, needed assistance. I think uh, we actually saw, uh, became aware of a story of that uh, recently where um, two Sikhs use their turbans to save someone. The Sikhs are uh, uh, known for wearing their turbans. It's, it's an expression of their religion. And um, someone was in distress. I want to say it was heat stroke or something. And they wetted their turbans and put the cloth on the person to cool them down. It's like, ah, such generosity, such spaciousness, such skillful means. Finally, what I want to say is, uh, like the, the Sikhs, our aspiration is that there is an undercurrent, not even an undercurrent, an overcurrent of compassion that needs to accompany, needs to be a part of non-attachment, relinquishing. Should never be done in severity or shunning, but it should instead enhance our ability to respond, to see what is needed and to respond appropriately. 